Welcome and thank you for joining us. Here at Calvary Chapel Eldoret, we believe in impacting and changing people's lives through the Bible, which is the only inspired and infallible Word of God. For more information, be sure to check out our website at ccelderet.org. That is ccelderet.org. And here is today's word. So, um, today we'll be in 1 Samuel chapter 30, 30th chapter. I'll basically read a bigger chunk of it so that we can uh, get the context of what we'll be talking about tonight. So if you're there already, we shall read First Samuel 30. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and tackled Ziglag and burned it with fire and taken cap- captive the women and those who were there. From small to great, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burnt with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahionam and Jezreelitis and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelites, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, and people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all those people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, and you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, and with the six hundred men who were with him, and came to the brook 
Besor, where those who stayed were left behind. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Besor. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, and they gave him bread and ate, and he ate, and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two classes of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, To whom do you belong? And where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an, an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of Chirithite in the territory which belonged to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Can you take me down to this troop? He said, Swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hand of my master, and I will take you down to this troop. And he went, and when he had brought him down, there they were spread out over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistine and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. These camels were so fast. So David recovered all the Amalekites had carried away and David rescued his two wives and nothing of theirs was lacking either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Then David took all the flock and, the, and herds that they had driven before those other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. Let us just get it from there. Let us pray first. Lord, we thank you again for your word. We ask that you'd um, help us to understand this text tonight and how we would apply it to our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this is a, a story 
of David and his men. Now, if you happen to, you know, read books, there's a book uh, titled David and His Mighty Men. Very wonderful book. And David, you know, in his pursuit, before his pursuit, his calling was unusual, as we have read before, that uh, when the prophet was sent to go and anoint him as king, the prophet himself was not aware that David was supposed to be king, or he didn't know um, that God's hand was already upon David. Though he was a young man, a teenager, his brothers were already involved in war. They were in the army, Saul's army. So they were used to fighting and, you know, waging war against their enemies. And David uh, was a young man who was given a responsibility with his father to go tend the sheep in the bushes, in the field. And out there, the Lord gave this young man, you know, you'd say, you know, he was in a school with the Lord himself, training him how to be a mighty man, training him how not to be fearful, training him to, you know, face the enemy. And this he did with the, you know, with the bear and the lion, tearing these great animals apart. That was not an easy task. And that was the testimony that he had when, you know, he had a conviction that the Lord was going to deliver the Philistines into the hands of the children of Israel. And he said, this man, today, the Lord is going to deliver him. He's said horrible words against the God of Israel. And he's going down today. And so David, you know, from his youth, the Lord was working on him, and he's been working on him time after time. And even this time, when he was out there with the other men fighting, the Amalekites came behind him and attacked his people, took literally everything. You know, their wives, their sons, their daughters, their flock, everything was taken from them. And as the Bible tells us here, when they came and saw, you know, their town in, in flames, they were greatly distressed. They wept, the Bible says, until they had no strength to weep. These were men that were in battle. They came back. Ah, oh, man, I don't know what you do. You, you, you come back to your place and nothing. And you're thinking, man, I, I, I left and my family was here. Coming back, there's nothing. There's no food. There's no people. You know, the place has been burnt down. I can't even imagine what was going on in his mind. I can't imagine the, the, the kind of pain 
that this man and his you know, mighty man of war were going through. They were already tired. And one thing I have learned from this man called David, he's a man who was, you know, he's done horrible things. He's nudged people's wives before. <laughs> he's done many horrible things. But one thing with him, he always remembers the Lord in these weird times. Good times, bad times, he will always remember God at some point. And when this happened and everyone is weeping, including himself, and there's no one to encourage him. First of all, the Bible said that he strengthened himself or he encouraged himself in the Lord. When, when things happen in, in, in our lives, when we find ruins in our backyard, when things go the other direction, do we find it easy to encourage ourselves in the Lord? Or the first thing that we would do is to complain about the whole situation. If, if God had given you a go-ahead to go fight those other nations, and you're coming back and your own people have been taken, the good thing they were not killed, they were taken, when the first thing you do is to complain, to complain to God about the situation. That God, why did you allow me to leave at the first place? Because if we were here, they wouldn't have, have been taken our people. And it's not just our people. My wife is missing. <laughs> My wife, two of them are missing. Children are missing. Food, everything is gone. And uh, the Bible says here that, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. And he went to the priest. And this is one thing that uh, is probably missing in our world today. That when we go through hard times in life, do we go and inquire of the Lord? After we have faced this horrible situation, do we go and inquire of the Lord? Lord, yes. This, this is horrible, this is bad, this is, you know, something that we never expected. But Lord, we need to hear from you. We need to hear your voice in all this situation. We need direction from you because we are confused. I mean, where, where do we start from? Where do we go? We don't know whether, you know, to go to the west, the east, south, north, where do we go? And these places at that time, you know, there were a lot of deserts. You don't know where to go. You don't know where to go if there's no one to lead you. If you're running first and you're running in, you know, towards the wrong direction, you're quickly getting lost, quickly getting lost if you do not inquire of the Lord you will get lost quickly. So what do you do? You are facing a situation, inquire of the Lord. Inquire of the Lord. Seek the Lord. 
about the situation. Seek the Lord about what is at hand. Whether it's, you know, you're looking for a job, you're looking for a spouse, whatever it is, seek the Lord about it. Don't you think that at any given moment, you'll be so wise enough to face these things with your own strength. Inquire of the Lord. Seek of the Lord. This is what he said to Abiathar the priest. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? This is something. Shall I pursue, and not just pursue them, I want to overtake them. I want to have victory. I want victory. Shall I pursue? If the Lord had said no, he wouldn't. Or if you would have pursued them and the Lord said no, you know, the enemy would have taken them captive again. He answered, pursue For you shall surely overtake them without fail, recover all. So David went, he and 600 men who were with him. When they came to the brook, 600 men. But already they were tired. So of the 600 men, 200 of them were tired, not even They couldn't even move. So he has 400 men that are tired, but they still encourage themselves to move. When God gives you a green light to go, please go. Go. You might be having people around you with you And if they get tired, you leave them alone and go. Because if you start like, hey, man, I I can't go without you. You know, we, we began this journey together. You can't leave. You can't stay here. And David knew that these men were tired. He didn't say, hey, you guys are losers. You guys are losers. You guys are whims. You can't fight no more. These men were tired. But this is the first place where he's now receiving strength from God. He's been given a go-ahead. There's light. He's been told, go, pursue them, and you will overtake. And you will not just overtake them, but you will recover all. I mean, how many times has the Lord given us a green light and we decided to stay. He told us to go and we decided we are not going because we are feeling so comfortable. We landed in a brook, we have some water to drink and we're like, man, let's just take it easy. Let's take it easy. Let's not move. It's dangerous when the Lord says go and you remain behind. And I know I'm a victim. 
that there are many times God has spoken things to me and I didn't listen. Or I just decided I'll work it out with my own wisdom, my own knowledge. Pursue these people and you will, without fail, recover all these things. So David pursued these people. And on their way, they found a young man. They found a young man. Who was an Egyptian, uh, Egyptian in the field. Then they brought him to David. And the first thing they did is they gave him food and they gave him water to drink. And after that, he regained a bit of strength, a bit of strength that he would reason up, that he would, uh, you know, interact with these people. But he was still fearful that David and his army might destroy him or take him to his master. Already what we are seeing here is because he says that he felt sick, his master abandoned him. He was abandoned. And this is, if I was to title this message, it would be like, who do you belong to? Whose are you? Whose are you? After they gave him food, David said to him, To whom do you belong? And where are you from? To whom do you belong? And where are you from? I think these are two very important questions that we need or we ought to ask ourselves. Two very useful questions. To whom do you belong? By this, a man must acknowledge whose he is and the dire need of a savior. Because if you realize who you are, that you are indeed a sinner, then your next need will be, I need a savior. I need a saving. This man was in the middle of the desert with no one. He's sick. He's been abandoned because of his circumstance. He's weak. He's sick. He's of no use. So the master abandoned him. This Amalekite master of his was very crude. He left him. And this is what happens with people in the world. When they see you, that you are of no use to them, they will abandon you. They will forsake you. They will trod upon you. Why? Because you are of no use. 
The master had the ability of taking this guy through a camel or something, take him with him, go nurse his wound or something, give him food. Imagine that the David's army came and gave him food and he regained some strength. And these Amalekites had a lot of spoil. They had a lot of food and drinks. They were in a position to revive this guy, to give him at least food for strength. But the master of this world chose not to do that. The master of this world will use you and dump you. Use you and leave you right there in the middle of desert where there's no water, there's no food. He wants you dead. Whoever thinks that the enemy wishes well for anyone But you know, we are deceived by the things we see, the desires of our eyes, the desires of our flesh, what the enemy brings at the table. He paints it and it, it seems very nice to our eyes. But little did we know that it leads to destruction. Leads to destruction. Look at this man. He, he was a slave to this guy. He, was, he bought this guy. And when he fell sick, he dumps him. So this is a question number one that we ought to ask ourselves. To whom do we belong? We either belong to God or we don't belong to him. And he asked the second question. Where are you from? Where are you from? We know it very well that when people around ask this question, you know their motives many times are not right. Whose are you and where do you come from? So the moment you mention where you come from, they start to uh, profile you so that they will know how best to handle you. If it's a job, <laughs> your location determines if you'll get a job or not. Sadly, that is what happens. But this was not the heart of David when he was asking him, where are you from? And where are you from? You know, by this, a man must really look deep upon himself and confess that he belongs to the world and that the reality of the world is that when you have received the things of the world, that they will not, at the end of the day, take you anywhere or bring you to a savior. 
The reality of the world is, or the people of the world, that they will use you and they will leave you right there. If I can recognize that I am of this world and the world is of no use to me, then I need to look for someone else or something else. And that should drive me to really find a savior, a savior to look for something else, to look for a way out. Because this man by himself, he wasn't able to save himself. He's an Egyptian, but he, the way he comes from cannot help him. He went to a foreign place to be a slave, and even that master dumped him. He's of no use. No one needs him, basically. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You might think that people, that, you know, you have people around and, yeah, they're mindful of you. Sometimes they want you around because you're useful to them. The moment you are of no use to them, they will kick you out. That does not happen in the kingdom of God. That God will look unto those people who have been dumped and he will pick them up. And these people will become so useful in his kingdom. He uses the foolish things of the world to ashamed those that think that they are wise. They'll be confounded by the wisdom of the people they saw or they thought that are of no use. This, um, this kind of paints for us a picture of Satan and Christ. That Satan will use you and dump you there for death. But where you're dumped, Christ will come and pick you up and you will become useful. You'll become useful. David didn't know where these people were. But this man who was left, who was left for death, he was given food and he led them to their enemies. He led them. I think many people, in one way or another, you probably was not left in the desert. Probably you were not abandoned by your close people, your close friends and family. But the bare fact is, when you are not of God, when you're not born again, when you, you are not a follower of God, you are of no use to the kingdom. Until when he comes and picks you up, cleans you up, because we have various testimonies. Many people would think that because, 
you know, I was a drunk because I was smoking, because I nearly killed people. I hurt people. That my testimony is greater than those people who didn't do these things. No. The fact that they didn't do those things, the fact that they didn't drink, they were not immoral, they were not all that kind of stuff, they still needed a savior. Every one of us. We were born with sin nature. The Adamic nature. You'd see it even in children. We pray for our children that they will not be overtaken by the world because this nature is so alive, so alive in us. If it's not tamed, it will be something dangerous to our children. Every one of us, we needed a savior. And the reason why all of us are here is because we want to grow in him. We want to know him more. We don't want to um, be like those people who, you know, they, they are wise in their own way. They think they don't, they don't need Jesus. You know, people would walk in here and like, yeah, I believe in anything. I believe in every other religion. I believe in Hinduism. I believe in Islam. I believe in Christianity. I believe in every other religion. Why? Because it suits what they want to do. It suits what they want to do. If they want to be immoral, then they try to run away from Christianity and go to that other one. It's amazing how Christ deals with us. It's amazing how he will dive into the ditches to find people, to find that one person who has been hurt so many times, that one person who is not prideful, that one person who is saying, Christ, Lord, I am here. Save me. I cannot save myself. He's looking for that one person who will say, hey, Lord, I have tried to work it out by my own strength. I cannot. Please come to my aid. Come to my rescue. This one man who was left, this one man who was not born again, this one man who was having a different culture, different belief from what David believed. You know what he said? That swear to me that you will not kill me. Swear to God that you will not deliver me to these people because if you do, they will kill me. That is what they would do. And that tells us that though he was a sick man who was left there to die, still in the inside, he wanted to live. He wanted to see another day. He wanted to be alive. That is why he said, 
Don't kill me. Don't deliver me to those people. God listens to this kind of prayer. Those people who say, hey, Lord, I am right at the edge. Don't let me go to that place. The enemy will devour me. The enemy will kill me. And David didn't let that happen. Why? Because he knew, David writes and say, that I'd rather fall in the hands of God rather than in the hands of my enemy because they, are, they don't have mercy. But God is full of mercy. God is merciful. God is merciful. Better is one day in your court than a thousand elsewhere. Better is to be in the presence of God than to enjoy many days out there. I don't know where the Lord met you or if you still want to meet the Lord. He's always present, always ready for people who want their lives to be changed, their lives to be transformed. David is a man that uh, through experience has learned to trust God. Whether he's in tears, he's writing texts while he's hiding in the caves, saying, I will fear no evil, and he's running away from his son who wants to kill him. I mean, what, what a paradox. What an amazing man of God that he was. He didn't let his, you know, past experiences try to, you know, ensnare him and say, well, I have sinned many times. I have sinned many times. This time, he won't forgive. And of course, you don't want to become habitual sinner who just want to go and sin because God is merciful. No. But in his mercy... He gives us wisdom not to run ourselves into trouble. But when thou findest thyself in trouble, he's there to help you out. He's there to aid you. So the message that I have for us tonight are these questions. Whose are you? Whose are you? That question will help you. Like when Jesus, they, they, they brought the coin. Like, hey, you guys need to pay tax and all that stuff. Your people are not paying tax. Say, whose is this coin? Caesar's. Whatever is Caesar's, render it to Caesar. In other words, he was telling them that because you are God's, give your lives to God. Give your lives to God.
Let him be the Lord and Savior of your lives. Don't just say by words that I am a believer, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, yet there's no fruit. No fruit. It's easier to sing songs and to say words with our mouths while our hearts are far away. Far away. But those who needed a savior, they'll be honest with themselves. They'll be true to themselves. Say, well, if I sit here, I'll die. What profit will I gain if I die here? I'd rather be in motion. I'd rather go there and meet the Lord on the way. I'd rather go. And these questions will also help us to understand the, the lifestyle of the apostles like Peter and John. They would see them and they mark them. They say, hey, look at their lives. Even their walking styles. They, even their, their speech, how they talk. They are Christ-like. Man. I don't know if they can say that about us today. I don't know if they can say that. None of us is perfect. But are we on the right direction? It's not about perfection. It is about direction. Which direction have you taken with your life? You find yourself in these situations. Do you inquire of the Lord? And when the Lord gives you a green light to go, do you go and say, well, let me take some time. Let me take some time out. This message reminds us that the Lord is merciful. David and his People, they were merciful to this guy who was left in the desert to die. They gave him food and water to nourish him. You remember Elijah when he, one of the greatest times in the Bible, you know, destroying the prophets of Baal, and after that he runs away, he was chased by a woman, and then he said, hey, I think I am done and I need to die. This is the end. God, I am the last one. I'm the last one. And if I die, you have no other prophets in this planet. No, the Lord reminded him that, hey, I have thousands upon thousands who have not bowed down to Baal. So I know your problem. Get up, eat, and go. Get some food, eat, and go. And sometimes, that is what he might be telling us. Get something to eat, 
Go out there and share the gospel. Go out there and be my witnesses. Don't let your past history get on the way. Like, hey, if I go to these people, they knew that I was a wicked man. They know that, you know, I used to do this. I, whatever it was, the Lord is not reminded of those things. He does not keep on reminding us of our past lives. You are a new creation. Go ahead and do what God is calling you to do. But the most important thing is, have you inquired of the Lord? In, as a matter of fact, you will inquire of the Lord if you know him. David knew the Lord. That is why he inquired. If you know who he is, you will inquire of him. And I believe every one of us here, we know the Lord. He saved us, delivered us from the bondage of sin. We are his new creation. That when we call upon his name today, he responds. I mean, inquire of the Lord. Inquire of the Lord. What does he wants you to do? He picked me up from those dungeons, from those pits, horrible pits, set my feet upon the rock. He gave me a new song. The world will see that and they will sing praises to God. Sing praises to God. So church, let that question resonate with you. If you know whom you belong to, you'll have the confidence to inquire from him. I am of the Lord, and I know when I inquire from him, he speaks to me. Spoken to me many times, and he will never cease speaking today. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we are thankful for tonight. We are thankful for the opportunity that you have given to us to even learn from your word, words that were written thousands of years back, but yet they speak life to us today. And Lord, how we pray that we will really heed your voice. We will inquire of you because we are your people, we are your children, that we know you, we have a relationship with you. God, please help us. Help our unbelief. Help us that we will not just worship you with our mouths while our hearts are far away from you. Help our unbelief that we will believe in you, that we will trust in you, that even when there is no one else that we can run to, that we can receive encouragement from you. So Lord, thank you. Thank you that you're here with us. Thank you that your spirit is present with us, speaking to us daily and every other time. Thank you, Lord, as we 
dispersing fellowship, we ask for your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, church, for being here. The Lord bless you and see you. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. We hope that you've been inspired and blessed. For more teachings and other resources, visit our website at ccelderet.org or call us at 0718-012-496. That is 0718-012-496. See you next time.